Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the launch of our 12th SR Nathan Fellow, Professor Wang Gangwu's book, Living with Civil Civilizations, Reflections on Southeast Asia's Local and National Cultures. We are grateful to everyone for taking the time to join us today and are honored to have President Taman Shamugaratnam and Ms. Jane Itogi here to grace the book launch. Mr. Janadas Devon, Director of IPS, will begin with his welcome remarks. He'll be followed by Mr. President and finally, Professor Wang Gangwu. We will then launch the book. After the launch, there'll be a book signing session with Professor Wang. Before we begin, please put your mobile phones on silent mode. For other distinguished guests, friends of IPS and members of the public unable to join us in person today, we have invited them to tune in to our Facebook page where we are live streaming the event. The live stream can also be watched after the event on our IPS Facebook page and YouTube channel. Online purchase of Professor Wang's book is now available on World Scientific Pro Publishing's website. For the entire month of December and January, all volumes of the IPS Nader Lecture Series, including Professor Wang's book, can be purchased online with a 20% discount. Enter the promo code WSIPS20 for 20% off your purchase. Now, without further ado, Mr. Janadas Devon, Director of IPS, will deliver his welcome remarks. Director, please. Mr. President, Dean of the Lee Kuan Yew School, friends and colleagues, thank you all for coming to the launch of Living with Civilization, a collection of Professor Wong Gangwu's lectures as the 12th SR Nathan Fellow. We are honored by your president, Mr. President, and uh, Ms. Jane Itoki. That you should grace this occasion is a fitting tribute to Professor Wong. He is, quite simply, the greatest, most significant scholar in the humanities living in Singapore today. There is no more distinguished scholar. His peers, his equals, are among the most distinguished historians of the last century. Like the giraffe, there is no, there is ain't no such animal as <laughs> Professor Kangwu. His SR Nathan lectures were a tour de force a journey through the corridors of history exploring the intricate dance of cultures, creeds and civilizations that constitute Southeast Asia. The resulting book, Living with Civilizations, which is a typically Gangwu title, um, is not just an academic exercise. Indeed, no book by Professor Wong, even the most weighty of his academic tomes, is a mere monograph. Yes, Living with Civilizations is a guide to understanding the forces that have shaped our region and continue to influence our present and future. Yes, it challenges us to reflect on our past, to better navigate the present and future. Yes, one can say of this book what we say of excellent works of history in general. But like all of Professor Wang's writings, indeed like all his talks, his ordinary conversations, it doesn't persuade merely logically. That is not his way. I learned this not by reading him, but by editing him in my other life when I was a journalist and editing op-ed pieces. I understood every sentence Professor Wang wrote, each in his own terms, isolated, but not how one sentence led to one to another. He seemed to be saying many things at once simultaneously. 
trained as I was in a particular tradition, um, the classical expository style, which emphasizes the clear unfolding of a singular argument, like a flow chart or, or a macadamized road, I found it difficult to process Professor Wang. I assumed this was because he had a subtle oriental mind, and I didn't. Um, slowly, as sometimes happens, when you get out of the way and allow an insight to occur to you, I realize what matters when you read or hear Professor Wong is not only what he says sentence by sentence, but the spaces between them. Yes, he is a historian and deeply informed by the traditions of an ancient discipline, but he's also an artist, not just a writer, an artist. You can only say one thing normally at a time in writing. The greatest of writers try to say many things at once by distorting ordinary language using various literary devices, metaphor, symbol, allusion, myth, met meter, and, and, and rhythm, and so on. In music, it is possible to say many things at once structurally, as in polyphonic, um, contrapuntal, or harmonic music. Reading Professor Wang's works, hearing his lectures, is not simply an intellectual exercise. It is an experience not unlike hearing polyphonic music, say a mass in four or five voices, or looking at a Chinese painting or a Japanese garden, where significance lies in the spaces between objects. It is a logical as well as a deeply aesthetic experience. We are honoring a rare mind, a rare distinction, a rare human being. The SR Nathan Fellowship was named in honor of our sixth president, Mr. SR Nathan. Professor Joseph Liao, who's here, I think, our 13th SR Nathan Fellow, recently completed his lectures. Mr. Tan Chong Meng will be the Nathan Fellow next semester, followed by Pre Professor Lily Kong the semester after. The SR Nathan Fellowship has grown in distinction with each fellow. None has added to its luster as much as Professor Wang. We are deeply grateful to him, and not only for this series of lectures. We are fortunate that Professor Wang Gangwu has spent the last quarter century or so in the country where he began his scholarship at the old University of Malaya, which physically is here, in fact, um, as he reminded me just now. This launch is a token of our appreciation. And I'm so glad President Tharman agreed to be present. Thank you. Thank you, Director. May I now invite our guest of honor, President Tharman Shamugaratnam, to deliver his speech. Mr. President, please. Mr. Jandadas Devan, Director of IPS, Professor Wang Gangwu, 12th SR Northern Fellow, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for inviting me and my wife to join you this morning. Uh, I agreed immediately. Uh, I can't remember what time of the night it was I received your invitation, but I agreed immediately because I regard Professor Wang Gangwu as, and here I uh, depart a little bit from 
what uh, Jalada said. Uh, I do regard him as the most outstanding uh, scholar of the humanities that Southeast Asia has ever produced. And amongst the most outstanding um, historians um, on a much broader scale, uh, not just Southeast Asia, but around the world. And I say that um, subjectively, but with some confidence. Uh, I read Professor Wang Gangwu's latest book with great interest, uh, and I urge everyone uh, to read and reread it for the wisdom that it conveys. Uh, the central thread uh, running through his book it starts with a fact, a fact very carefully um, elaborated on, uh, and from that fact arise several observations and several lessons and some cautions which Professor Wang Gangwu uh, articulates. The fact is that Southeast Asia, which Singapore is part of, uh, is not itself a civilization, never was itself a civilization, but a set of cultures, a set of local and national cultures that were shaped by external influences, and in particular were shaped by the four ancient civilizations, the Indic, the Sinic, the Islamic, and the European Christian. It had that fortune of being shaped and influenced by those four ancient civilizations. I would say uniquely amongst regions around the world to be shaped by all four of these ancient civilizations. So that is uh, a fact very carefully recorded in Professor Wang Gangwu's book. But arising from that fact, a few observations and lessons. This fact of not having a monolithic or indigenous civilization, one capable of spreading the wings of its values and thoughts and ideas well beyond its terrain, has also meant that Southeast Asia, each of its nations and the region as a whole, has, through history, been open and inclusive. Open and inclusive, and I would add, resilient. Because as each of the Southeast Asian cultures have been proud bearers of a set of ancient civilizations, one combination or another of the Indic, Sinic, Islamic and European Christian civilizations, they have had a very important genius of their own, which is not to adopt any one of those civilizations singularly, but to select, select from these different civilizations elements which were then integrated and linked with their own evolving national cultures. In other words, Southeast Asia selectively modernized in order to preserve its own evolving 
set of cultures. And that turns out to be an advantage significant in today's world, and I'm sure significant tomorrow. This local genius of being able to selectively import and incorporate or meld in different living civilizations from around the world has enabled Southeast Asia to navigate in its own way the pools and tensions and tugs of a changing world where each of the ancient civilizations is being interpreted and transmitted through national impulses of the day. In other words, it is not just unchanging ancient civilizations, but civilizations that are constantly being interpreted and propagated by the current day national sentiments and impulses around the world. And we have been able to avoid being pulled and tugged by those contemporary impulses by the more gradually evolving Southeast Asian meld of ancient civilizations linked to our own national cultures. It has given some resilience. This openness and inclusiveness and this ability to select from these ancient civilizations and meld them into our own cultures. This was uh, particularly significant for Singapore. Ujung Tana, as Prof. Wang uh, reflects on the land's end at the tip of the Malay Peninsula, which was uh, in fact most exposed to people from different Marantau origins mostly not people coming to settle over the centuries, but on a sojourn. And Singapore, therefore, was most exposed to these influences, these different civilizational influences. But there was another very interesting advantage uh, when it came to Singapore, which is that the Western colonial power that ruled over Singapore over a long period, the British government, itself did not try to change the fact of these different cultures reflecting different civilizations. The British were very practical. They sought to minimize the possibility of conflict by allotting different plots of land around the island to the different Marantau. They brought modern government, but the people continued their lives as they were. They lived, they traded, they practiced their faiths in ways that still reflected the civilizations that they were influenced by, the different civilizations that they were influenced by. And that particular property of the British as a colonial administration was also significant in the case of Singapore. I think this openness and inclusiveness that we have seen in Southeast Asia variously. And the fact that it is not itself regard, none of the individual nations nor the region as a whole regards itself as a civilization in its own right uh, is an advantage in today's world. 
it gives us humility, the humility that allows us to keep learning and never thinking that we are superior to the rest of the world. But it also means that, as I mentioned briefly earlier, as we go through periods where there's at any one point a tendency for any one of these other major national cultures to believe that they represent the best of human values or that they are in the best interests of humanity, it allows us to be more circumspect, allows us to have that continuing pride in our own evolving cultures, reflecting the fact that we are proud bearers of different civilizations. It gives us that resilience. I would add another observation, which is that for Singapore, we are also a little unique in that the community which came to be the majority community in Singapore, the Chinese community, had long experience of being a minority community in Southeast Asia. And that long experience of the majority community in Singapore being a minority community in Southeast Asia, where we had these four different civilizational influences, and the experience of living in a, as a minority in different parts of Southeast Asia did shape a different ethos uh, amongst the Chinese who settled in Singapore. And not many were settled in Singapore permanently because people were moving around the region. And some, of course, going back and forth uh, between their mother country and Southeast Asia. And that itself, I think, has turned out to be an important reason why we have been able quite comfortably to become a multiracial society in the true sense of the term, avoiding a majoritarian culture and polity. The fact that our majority community had long experience in a region where it was a minority and a minority in a region where there were four major civilizational influences. Finally, I end with Prof Wang's, one of the uh, important lessons that Prof Wang himself enunciates, which is that it is important for Singapore to stay united within ASEAN, as in, indeed is fully in our intention. And it's important for ASEAN to be united and to coexist with these larger living civilizations to prevent our peace-seeking, multi-civilizational cultures from ever descending into the warring nationalist cultures that threaten us today. And Prof Wang emphasizes in the case, of course, the context of the civilizational cultures like the Sinic civilization and distinguishing it from contemporary national culture, such as China's national culture as it is evolving. But the same can be said about the Indic civilization and the evolving contemporary Indian culture 
and civilization, and likewise for the Islamic. Whichever the civilizational influences that have shaped us, we should always distinguish between those enduring civilizational influences and their values from the contemporary national cultures that are evolving in the parts of the world that they came from. That too is how we retain our resilience. So it applies equally to the Sinic, the Indic, the Islamic, and, and indeed the European national temperament and sentiment at any one point in time. We are advantaged by having civilizational influences that shaped us over a long period of time, and we should continue to evolve our national culture, informed and enriched by those civilizational influences, as well as our own national melding together of what we've had, what we've developed locally, and what we've developed as a region in Southeast Asia. So I end there with that very uh, simple and selective uh, set of observations from Professor Wang Gangwu's book. But as I mentioned, it is worth reading and reading because these are the writings of one of the most outstanding scholars of our times. Thank you very much. Thank you, Mr. President. May I now invite Professor Wang Gangwu to deliver his speech, please. President Thomas Shamagaratnam, Dean of the Lee Kuan Yew School of Public Policy, Professor Kwa, Director of the Institute of Policy Studies, Mr. Janadas Devan, and ladies and gentlemen. Thank you, Mr. President and Mrs. Starman, for coming to launch my new book. I very much appreciate the privilege, and I'm also very grateful to Mr. Janadas for inviting me to give the series of lectures in honor of Mr. S.R. Nathan, former President of the Republic. Having the book launch take place where I began my life, my life of learning on this very campus is a special pleasure. That generation of students was engrossed with the task of nation building that caught my imagination. How to build something new from a retreating empire. I was particularly attracted to those questions that focused on the mix of local communities, their languages, and different cultures. In that context, two images left a deep impression. One was that our region had many cultures and now had a name for itself and this was Southeast Asia, an untidy place that just had its borders drawn with China on one side and India on the other. The other image was that 
of powerful European empires using their modern civilization to show that ancient Asian civilizations were all obsolete. These raised questions I could not understand, and the questions followed me around in my later studies. Director Janada's invitation to give the IPS Northern Lectures has given me a chance to take a closer look at the two images after several decades. Southeast Asia consists of modernizing nations in search of a regional identity. Its numerous polities had over three millennia enriched their local cultures by selecting what they needed from four ancient civilizations, as the president mentioned. And in different ways and in diff to different degrees, they have chosen from the Indic, the Sinic, the Islamic, and the European Christian civilizations. After the 18th century, global imperial powers expanded to dominate the world with their modern Enlightenment civilization. Although our region came under their control, its local communities stayed in contact with the ancient civilizations. The region's leaders observed how the civilizations, how those civilizations responded to the challenge of modernization without adopting any single model. As in the past, Southeast Asian communities remained open and inclusive as they enabled their local cultures to evolve to become modern national cultures. Singapore as an independent republic has many unique features, but it has shared this experience of openness and inclusivity, and it chose to be modern in its own way and join the region in supporting the search for a peaceful way for all civilizations to live together. Mr. President, forgive me if I seem to be presumptuous to talk about large entities like nations and civilizations in four short lectures. I offer this, I've offered no more than my thoughts on what the modernizing, the modernizing civilizations could mean to our region. I respect the integrity of national cultures everywhere, and, but I believe that none today can claim that it stands for the universal values for all humankind. I'll leave you with that thought. Thank you very much, Mr. President. Thank you. Thank you, Professor Wang. Please remain on stage. May I now invite Mr. President and Director to the stage for the launch of the book, please. We will now launch the book. Professor Wang will now present Mr. President with a copy of the book.
And now, Director will present Professor Wang with a token of appreciation from IPS. Please remain on stage for a photo together. The book is now launched. Thank you everyone for attending and have a good day ahead.